If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, the number one podcast for wacky animal facts. My name is Becca, and did you know that gorillas live in groups called troops or bands, and also that we share 98% of our DNA with them? Wow. Yeah. Personally, you shared your 98% of your DNA with gorillas? I'm 99, actually. <laughs> I'm special. My name is Josh, and do you know what a gorilla's favorite fruit is? No, what? It's apricots. Ooh, I love that. That was accurate <laughs> I thought, and funny. I thought you were going to say bananas and then I would be like, no, you'd think, but actually. <laughs> it's the sea. <laughs> what? That's a, okay, what's well, a pirate's favorite letter? Oh, oh that's right. You'd think yeah. it would be R, but yeah, actually his but first love would be the sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yep. So we are a Batman podcast. We're a couple that loves each other. We talk about news. We talk about Silver Age comics, and we talk about the villains that appear in them, in that order. Mm-hmm. And this week, do we have some monkey business for you? <laughs> but girls aren't monkeys, actually. They're apes. Yes, yes. Did you want to start off with your news item? Yes. Polka Dot Man has a polka dot cat. <laughs> so Explain. Um, as you may have known, uh, the Suicide Squad movie came out a couple weeks ago. We've got a great podcast episode all about that feel free to listen to it if you want to hear our thoughts full of spoilers it's a great movie i will say i want to go back and watch it again and again at the risk of self-incriminating myself uh josh and i went to see a different movie a couple like a week ago and when it was over i snuck into the suicide squad theater just to watch a few minutes of it before josh made me leave (laughs) because i liked it that much but i could have just come home and watched on hbo max yes legally yes you could have but David Dasmelkian, who played Polka Dot Man, adopted a cat while he was filming in Panama per an interview that he gave this week. And he also talked all about the filming and just what a great experience it was. And I made the prediction months ago that this role was going to skyrocket him into like character actor fame. Mm-hmm. And the interview was called something like Davis Dasmelkian has won the character actor lottery or something like that. Because <laughs> he's going to be in Dune next year. He's playing a really cool character in that one as well. And I was like, I called it. He's going to be an A-lister. At least as A-lister as character actors can get. But I'm super excited for him. I'm obsessed. He's really cute also. And this picture of him and his little polka dot cat are so cute. He, so, okay. He, 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 okay, the cat is not actually polka dot. He made a little costume. I guess he had the props department make him a little costume. <laughs> he has a tiny little cat size costume of polka dot man for his cat. It's so adorable. It's such a cute picture. You guys have to go look this up. It's a, cause it's just a regular, uh, it's like a brown, uh, striped cat. Yeah, it's like a tabby. Yeah, like a tabby. And, and it has <laughs> this polka dot man costume, which looks like really high quality yeah, too. I'm, that's why it was made by like the costuming department. And it's, yeah, it's a great picture. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, Polka Dot Man, Polka Dot Cat, top news of the week. What else do you need? <laughs> well, the winner of DC's fan poll, we've talked about this on our on our podcast before, Robbins, got a release date announced. Oh, wow. It's October 26th. Okay. So I look forward to reading that. 
And another comic that got announced, uh, Danny DeVito will be co-writing a Penguin story Hmm. alongside two other writers for a one-shot titled Gotham City Villains Anniversary Giant, and that's going to release on November 30th. What's this new trend of actors writing comic books? We haven't talked about it on the podcast, but there's one that a lot of people have been kind of talking about the last couple of months that was written by, co-written by Amelia Clark, who played Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. And that one's kind of divisive. It's mm. like very feminist. And it's very like sex positive, but it is rubbing people, some people the wrong way. I don't know. I don't really remember this being a thing where like actors were co-writing comic books. Usually it's like writers write comic books. Like I have a Black Canary comic that was written by Meg Cabot, who wrote Princess Diaries. I believe she's a writer. Yeah. And, you know, I know Gerard Way, he wrote The Umbrella Academy. Okay. I feel like a couple other things, but like musician, writer, it's not really all that different. You know, you've got the creative brain to create something. He writes lyrics. Okay, okay. I guess. I don't know. I, it's probably star power. I mean, like I said, he Danny DeVito is writing this with two co-authors. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what his contribution is. Maybe they, maybe they like wrote a story out, but they didn't write the penguins' dialogue, and then they were like, "Danny DeVito, just come in and improv, like it. come in and, and and like we'll tell you what's going on and the gist of what he needs to say, but you put your like spin on it so it sounds exactly like the penguin from from uh, Batman Returns." Yeah, I don't know what else Danny DeVito's written. He's he directed Matilda. He was in, okay, this has nothing to do with him being writing stuff, but he was in a commercial for Discord recently. Okay. Discord, like, hired him, and they put him in front of a green screen and, like, showed him what Discord was about. It's really weird. Okay. It opens up with him taking a sandwich off the craft services table and eating, like, almost all of it. Okay. (laughs) It's wild. Danny DeVito's a weird dude. According to my film friend, they call that crafty. Hmm. Hmm. What? <laughs> craft services. I call it crafty. Oh, They're okay. Like, oh, yeah, I was over at crafty. Okay, okay. It's mm-hmm. a little lingo for you. For Got your it. Um, so speaking of Robins. Yeah. One of them is well, the very first gay. Before we cover that, I have a couple other news items. Okay. Uh, I was actually going to say, speaking of Danny DeVito and Batman Returns, Tim Burton, there was a there was an interview with The Hollywood Reporter this week where Tim Burton explained his casting choice of Michael Keaton. Okay. And so I have a full quote here. It says, I met a lot of square jaw type actors, but it's like, well, why does somebody need to dress up like a bat? They don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're not a big action hero. They're somebody who's intelligent and kind of screwed up. And Michael <laughs> has such an intensity. It's like, yeah, I could see that guy wanting to dress up as a bat. It's all rooted in psychology, Jekyll and Hyde, two sides of a personality, light and dark. And I think he understood that. Yeah, Michael Keaton is a really smart actor. And I feel like he's carried that throughout his whole career. He's oh, always, yeah. Even, like, he can play, you know, I've seen him play, like, the the best, like, heroes, people who you just want to, like, succeed in every sense of the word he was in uh, spotlight that was a great like hero role for him or he could play like the ceo of like you know an oil conglomerate that's like drowning baby ducks in their <laughs> oil to make it more pure and you could be like yeah that's michael keaton <laughs> he does great he is yeah he's a he's a wonderful actor mm-hmm. and i think that that hollywood reporter article i i sort of skimmed it to just to pull this quote but i think he also talks about like picking and choosing your roles mm-hmm. to make sure that you're not like taking on stuff that i guess 
guess it devalues your brand in yeah. terms of like being an actor. That's important. Yeah. Although that makes me think of, um, oh, you were telling me, yeah. yeah, it was that thing you were telling me about Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. I was like, yeah. why did you do um, so many B movies? There was a fan that asked him, I guess it was like at a Comic Con or something, who asked him, why do you do so many B movies? And Ron Perlman answered, my, my wife likes shoes. Yeah. He, basically, like, you know, movies are a paycheck, and exactly. I do, I, I just keep busy with them. I saw one on Twitter the other day. It was like, the movie The Stupids sounds like something that somebody had to do to lose a bet. I'm betting Tom Arnold lost a bet. And he replied to that tweet and he said, I got paid $5 million to be in The Stupids. <laughs> it's really that simple. Yeah. A, ch- a paycheck is a paycheck. Okay, I didn't write this down. You just said he got paid $5 million for that. I read an article, and I forget where it was from, but I read an article that Robert Pattinson's getting Three million to play Batman, okay. which is a lot less than actors normally get paid, especially for a big title role like that. Yeah, working for scale. Except maybe, yeah, maybe he got gets a cut of like uh, oh distribution, like distri- and, yeah, because um, that's a merchandising. Way, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's a way that Jack Nicholson got away with making a fortune on the original Batman 1989 movie. Is he asked for like low pay, but then he wanted a cut of all the merchandise yeah. that that got came out so he's still getting paid today when lego releases their you know play sets batman 1989 with the joker yeah yeah yes yes uh so anyway happy okay. to be lining your pockets mr nicholson <laughs> i i just really like that quote from tim burton because he was like yeah michael keaton looks like the kind of guy who would dress up as a bat he looks like a weird guy you still haven't seen birdman have you i haven't you gotta see birdman that's a great that's an all-time great keaton role yeah i should i mean i've wanted to i just i don't know i've never found the time for it i've never i've never been like you know what i really should do tonight sit down and watch birdman we could do that sometime this weekend okay okay uh and i have one more piece of news before we get to uh tim drake DC announced a new upcoming animated film. Yay! It's titled Catwoman Hunted. Ooh! The movie will be in an anime art style and will be directed by director Shinsuke Terasawa. Uh, And he directed the Yokai Watch movie. He also directed uh, the animation for the Mobile Suit Gundam Zeta uh, television series. And the script was written by Greg Wiseman, which uh, he wrote scripts for Young Justice okay. and Batman Brave and the Bold. I'm back on so, board. <laughs> he's like a comic. He, he writes comic uh, adaptions, I guess, or comic, you know, cartoons. In it, things go wrong when Catwoman attempts to steal a priceless jewel and ends up being targeted by villains like Black Mask, Talia al Ghul, Cheshire, Cheetah, and Solomon Grundy, as well as good guys like Interpol, Julia Pennyworth, and Batwoman. Mm. So it's completely packed, and it also has a sort of a, a stacked cast. Uh, the voice cast has been announced. Elizabeth jo- Gillies? 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 I've never heard of her. <laughs> okay, she was she was a character in the Winx Club. She was on Victorious. Uh, she's in the television series Dynasty. She's playing Catwoman. While Stephanie Beatriz uh, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is portraying Batwoman. Oh. And Jonathan Frakes and Keith David are also members of the cast. Jonathan Frakes! Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever ridden a bicycle before? <laughs> you ever tried to steal a giant diamond and then got caught up with a woman who dresses like a cheetah? <laughs> you ever just slept like a bat? <laughs> Do you ever have sex on a rooftop? <laughs> 
would you be willing to go to prove somebody was your father? <laughs> no, we made it up. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> Honestly, go back and watch Fact or Fiction. It is the greatest show of all time. Jonathan Frakes is a genius. I guess you can also watch that Star Wars show or whatever that he was on. He's that's great. Star too. Trek. He's yeah. on Star Trek. Who cares? Whatever. We like him in Star no, Trek. No, we do. We do like He Star plays, Trek. well, in, in the old one, at least, in, in the next generation, not in the new, like, Picard series. He's in that? Yes, he yeah. is. Yep. Yes, yeah. he is. And he's his, He's real fat in that He's chair. his modern tubby self. <laughs> he fills the whole chair. <laughs> I love Jonathan Frakes. I'm sorry. No fat shaming. We love Jonathan Frakes. He can eat as much caviar as he wants he's earned it he's earned it <laughs> but anyway there, there's more people that i didn't list here that have been announced that are part of the cast if you want to you can go online and check out the full cast list mm-hmm. keith david's been in uh, a lot of dc animation before hasn't he uh probably he does a lot of work yeah. he's like in everything he was in princess and the frog he was in community uh and that's just like scratching the very surface of all, everything that he's done <laughs> get that paycheck keith david yeah we love it Okay, now we can talk about Tim Drake. Being the very first gay? No, he's not. So in Batman Urban Legends number six, for those of you who aren't in the know, it released last week. It portrays Tim Drake as bisexual. In the story, a schoolmate of his, Bernard, uh, is a love interest who confesses his feelings to Robin uh, about Tim. So he's... Robin is saving Bernard, and Bernard is like, if we don't make it out of this, you gotta tell Tim that I love him and I wish we could have finished our date. Aw, that's sweet. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so so that is the comic. Um, there's a couple of discussion points that I wanted to touch on. Uh, this is a, it's weird when you consider the fact that DC tried to distance itself from uh, Batman and Robin being viewed as homosexuals very early on in DC's publishing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It, it's also... There's, there's a lot of stuff about this that kind of rubs me the wrong way. And not in a, like, in, like, a I'm a homophobe way, but there wasn't really any build-up to this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a fairly steady relationship with Stephanie Brown and they've broken up but this like this comic was sort of the start of him being like oh I'm sort of questioning who I am and then it's all kind of wrapped up in this one comic Mm -hmm. so there could have been more build-up to this um I also feel like it could be a headline grabbing scheme from DC the, when DC announces that a character is going to die, nobody really raises an eyebrow anymore because they know that the character is going to come back. You so, can't come back from being gay. Yeah, it's like the new. It's like the new new reveal. It's the new like, oh, you gotta got you guys gotta buy this one or you gotta check out this. Hey, remember DC Comics exists? Remember Robin is a character that everybody knows? Yeah, and I would say okay, I'm gonna say something controversial that I think people might get upset about. Okay. Um, I never really like to talk about queer baiting when it comes to things like television shows mm-hmm. because I often feel, especially when we're talking like big television, like long running television shows or stuff with like a lot of money behind it, mm-hmm. like Marvel or like Supernatural, for example, uh-huh. I find the term like queer baiting is a rather annoying accusation because as a demographic... Like, obviously, I love and support all the LGBTQ people in my life. I don't think that their money doesn't matter. It absolutely does. But at the same time, I don't think it 
makes a lot of sense to lobby this accusation at like a huge corporation of like, you're just trying to get that lucrative LGBTQ audience and you're doing it by pretending that these characters are going to get together. When, no, I don't think they really care all that much about getting an LGBTQ audience or people who care about an LGBTQ audience. They're looking to get markets. They're looking to get China yeah. to pay attention. Yeah. They want the 18 to 24 demographic at large mm-hmm. to tweet about their show. They don't really care about the percentage of LGBTQ people who are invested in their show enough that they're going to be like, ooh, this will get their eyeballs on it, but we won't really make the character gay. I get that that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think it's like a fair accusation that it really has anything to do with like getting your money specifically as an individual as we person yeah well to your point about queer bidding there's a lot of there's there's a lot of discourse about this and there's some people who are like well tim drake was always coded as queer and i heard that too and i never got that feeling. i never got that feeling either also he's dated stephanie for like decades yeah that's true i mean that doesn't that doesn't he can still be bi. Preclude him from being bi, which is what this is. Yeah. You know, the comic portrays him as. Uh, but also Honestly, there's people... all Robins are a little gay. <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> I'm just looking at the costume. How could you not be a little gay and not put that on? That's kind of what uh, DC's whole... DC did, I, I want to say it's like a little bit of, of tone deaf, but I don't know. Maybe other people who have different perspectives than me see it a different way. But, like, in their whole thing about, like, queer coding in comics, they were like, yeah, Robin's costume's always been a little fruity. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) I mean, it boils down to that. It's not exactly what they said. But, you know, their their, their whole thing about, like, oh, it's about hiding your true self and blah, 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 that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I get that. And I can see how people can see that. But... I don't know. Isn't if, that just what superheroes are generally? Just generally, it's yeah. It's all about hiding aspects of your life. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. your insecurities <laughs> behind a mask and punching your way through your problems instead of confronting them. But but one of their arguments is that like, well, he was very close with with Connor Kent, and uh, the other Robins have been close with other male teammates, and it's like <laughs> in the in the immortal words of uh the falcon (laughs) don't ruin a beautiful thing like homosexuality by implying that my bromance could be that (laughs) yeah well that's a paraphrase that's the way that i feel about that is like so you can't have males be friends and like share intimate feelings with each other without them being romantically interested in in each other yeah that promotes toxic masculinity it does to promote toxic masculinity thank you becca you're welcome i'm glad that you see eye to eye with me on this i do we agree on a lot of stuff i know well that's why we're getting married (laughs) (laughs) uh it also this comes at a weird point in uh tim drake's history he was very relevant in the 90s and the early 2000s when he first became Robin and he got his own solo series. But ever since the New 52, they've and, and like the, well, I guess before New 52, the introduction of Damian Wayne, they've sort of had trouble figuring out what to do with him. Because if Damian Wayne is Robin, Tim Drake can't still be Robin. There can't be two Robins. Mm-hmm. 
So they like they had him be Red Robin, which was interesting because that was during the time when Batman was like lost in time and Tim Drake was like the only member of the Bat family that was still looking for him. And so he was striking it out and that was his like discovering himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like since New 52, it's like, what has he really done? Like I haven't read any Rebirth or New 52 comics where he's played like a major part i think he's been in teen titans i don't know yeah he wasn't really much in the batman run that i read he was just like involved in the group scenes that had damien and and dick and jason so and that's sort of like why i why i say another thing is like well is this just for uh, grabbing headlines is like does dc just not know what to do with tim drake and they were like let's just like play around with it they 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 rolled the dice and, uh, or they, they threw something at a, a dartboard <laughs> and it landed on, make him gay. The other options up there were, um, kill him, have him lost in time, <laughs> make him turn evil, kidnapped by the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I guess the final question that I have about this is like, does any of it really matter? Because now that we're into this infinite frontier, all continuities are canon all at the same time, but all of them are also not the same canon at the same time. It's like... Wasn't this series called Urban Legends? It is called Urban Legends, but I'm pretty sure that, well, like I said, you know, it's part of this infinite frontier thing. It's like nothing's really canon and nothing's also really not canon. Mm. (laughs) They've done away with telling Elseworld stories and and trying to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like make continuity mesh. They're just sort of like, writers can write whatever they want. And, uh, you know, if they want to use something that's been used before, go ahead. If they want to ignore it, go ahead. We don't care anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I guess, you know, my, my final thought on this is like, I do feel like representation does matter. That is kind of where I was going with that, that queer baiting thing is like, Mm -hmm. it's not that like your money doesn't matter to them at the same time. It's, you know, representation matters to individuals. And I think that's always good, especially something like, you know, bisexual representation, which is not something that we see all that much in media. Mm-hmm. It's always like, you know, you're one way or another or you're faking or you're just, you know, it's a stopgap on the way to the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, there's there's worries that like, oh, well, writers take this and make him promiscuous and like associate some of the negative things that come with uh, bisexuals in media. But that that has yet to happen. So yeah, all those so. all those fears may be unfounded, but they're uh, you know legitimate fears to have. Yeah, there are a lot of bad writers out there. So there are. Yeah, it's could, true. Could, could always happen. It could. It could. So yeah, representation matters. I am happy for this development. You know, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm not mad about it. No, I'm I'm, I'm not like, mad about it. It either. doesn't match the continuity because. It, Batman. So I mean, yeah, continuity is up in the air anyway. It's never mattered. Yeah, it's but it's like you know, I don't know. I like I feel that it could have been it could have been presented better. It could have there could have been more of a build up to it. Yeah, uh, they could have had this character around for like a longer time and had Tim kind of slowly. Yeah, well, actually, this and so maybe make it an arc. It's interesting. He's like a, a former schoolmate of him. And apparently he got pulled from an old comic. He's not, like, a regular character, but he is, like, a deep cut for people who know, like, Tim Drake's life or whatever. Okay. So he he has existed. Wouldn't it have been more satisfying to have him end up with Connor if that was, like, what people thought the buildup was to? But nope, can't have Superman be gay. That's impossible. Superboy and... <laughs> is he with Miss Martian in the actual comics? 
Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a clone of Superman, so he's that's why I called him Superman. I guess. But yes, he is Superboy. Yes. Yes. Anyway, do you have any more to say? Actually, Jonathan Kent is Superman now, isn't he? Didn't they make... Uh... Again, this is like in, in the like weird continuity that they have. I don't know. Any y'all watching Lois and Clark? <laughs> We're not. Okay. Let's uh, hop into the Silver Age comic. All right. You got who wrote it? I do. So we're going to dive into Detective Comics number 339, Batman Battles the Living Beast Bomb. Which they don't call him that in this at all. So, you know, that's great. (laughs) Cover date of 1965. Writer Gardner Fox. Penciler Carmine Infantino. Inker Joe Giella. And editor Julia Schwartz. Although, DC's uh, data... The the DC database, like the fan wiki, and DC's own website conflict on who was editor. DC's website lists Jack Schiff as the editor for this. But Jack Schiff wasn't the editor uh, in in 1964 onward. Weird. So... I don't know. It was like a, a little transitionary period or something. I don't think so. I think they just... they Maybe they were copy-pasting because they were copy-pasting all the old comics into their database. Maybe. And they just like... They copy-pasted writers and editors and stuff and forgot to double-check. Could be. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Okay. I just wanted to point that out just in case our listeners were looking at DC's Comics website and expecting it to be right. DC Comics needs to update their website. Uh, the fan-run wiki is more accurate than their own website. Yep. All right. Batman... 339. So we begin with the news of a brand new villain wreaking havoc all over Gotham. This freak of nature is pulling doors off of vaults, leaping tall buildings, and sprinting through the night. And one morning, a little nebbishy dork arrives at Gotham PD and takes credit for all of the crimes. And he implores the desk sergeant to lock him up and call Batman immediately. The officers are initially skeptical of the man, Walter Hewitt, who looks like he'd be blown over by a stiff breeze. However, (laughs) never needing a good reason to lock someone up, the GCPD comply, and from behind the safety of iron bars, Walter tells his tale. (laughs) So as a boy, Walter was terrible at everything physical. We see flashbacks to his days on the baseball team where he doesn't hit a single ball all season, and one (laughs) wonders why the coach kept playing him. (laughs) Oh, it was one of those little leagues where it was like you got you gotta at least play in like two innings every other game or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, his nickname back then was Worthless Wally. Children are cruel. Children are so cruel. <laughs> so Walter instead focused his energy on pursuits of the mind and started studying Bionicles, the study of Lego robots. No, no, no. No, sorry. Scratch that. Bionics. The study of living creatures and the attempt to duplicate their special properties. Ooh. Ooh. So Walter's ultimate work was creating the Bionaformer, which reminds me of the teleporter from The Fly. Uh, And this kind of works in a similar way, where it fuses the animal's abilities into the human, but it doesn't start a gross transformation uh, process. (laughs) But although we don't see it, I bet when Walter does fuse with a fly, he also probably vomits digestive enzymes into his food and enemies, which is the same thing that happens in David Cronenberg's The Fly. Oh, okay. Yeah, that movie's got Jeff Goldblum in it. Oh. Yeah, from La La Land. (laughs) That's a running joke that we have. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it in an episode before. (laughs) So... 
Walter sets out to make himself superhuman using the powers of the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. He gives himself the hearing of a dog, the sight of an eagle, a fly's ability to walk on walls, and as I mentioned, vomit digestive enzymes. And he does this all by uh, showering himself with irradiated light, he says. Yeah. So it's a, a good idea to lock yourself in a glass box and shoot radiation at yourself. Yeah, that worked out really good for, uh, what's her name, Rosemary? <laughs> oh, uh, Marie Curie you're talking about? No. No, Marie Curie, yeah. She discovered she, radiation. She did. But and then she like died of cancer. No, Rosemary, I don't remember her last name. She actually discovered the Helix uh, model of DNA. of DNA along with Watson and Crick. However, okay. she did not get the credit that she deserves for her work in that. Uh-huh. Um, but all that work in the radiation, in the, like the lab with like the radiation lasers, she got ovarian cancer. Oh, boy. Rosalind Franklin was actually her name. Sorry, I'm terrible with names. Okay. But yeah, women who we should know about through history. Thanks, Watson and Crick. Not. Anywho. So uh, he also gets the speed of a cheetah and the jumping power of a kangaroo through Uh this uh, special beautiful radiation that does nothing but gives you superpowers and not cancer, (laughs) as we now know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what animal would you want to steal the powers from? Oh, okay. Uh, obviously cat. Okay, which specific powers from a cat? Because I just wrote the attitude of Na- a cat. Nap for a very long time. Yeah, if I could have the <laughs> ability to just lay on the couch all day and stare at the wall and sleep. <laughs> cats apparently have an active dream life, which is one of my favorite things that I know about cats. My favorite cat facts. My favorite cat facts. They have an active dream life. So when your cat just lays on the couch for 18 hours a day, that's actually a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'd want, I'd want like the just like the presence of a cat. Just like... To not care about anyone or anything besides me and my nap time and when I get fed. I always hear cat like reflexes. I wonder yeah. if those reflexes come with the fight or flight though. Like if you would if you would be scared and jumpy all the time like a cat. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, they can see in the dark. That's good. Yeah. I mean, uh, falcons because they have super good eyesight. I could I would cure my need for glasses. Yeah. Uh, Trying to think what else I could use. Um, the swimming abilities of just like any sort of fish. I said that too, because I can't really swim super well. So, so I put the swimming ability of, of a fish and I was trying to figure out like a shark, a dolphin. Flying fish. The ones that swim so fast that they can like jump out of the water Ooh. and like glide. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I'd like to be able to fly. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he can't fly. He can't get a bird's flight. Because he doesn't have wings. He doesn't have wings. Because mm. he does, a bird is one of the things that he uses to give himself abilities. I forget what it is that he gives himself. Is it eyesight? Yeah. Okay. Eagle's eyesight. Yeah. Eagle, eagle-eyed. 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 Um, I want an owl's ability to turn my head 360 degrees. <laughs> I, again, I think Just you're- Just to freak people out. I think you're limited by the abilities of your own body. Although that doesn't make sense no, because- No, because he can jump. Also, he can jump like a kangaroo, yeah. which is, he can jump like three stories in the air. Yeah. And if, you know, we, he was limited by his own ability, then his bones would crack. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't quite understand how this science machine works. No. <laughs> All right. So Walter decides to finish his experiment by making himself as strong as a gorilla that he bought from a circus. Yeah, I, I like to imagine him walking up to the circus and being like, one gorilla, please. I'll take that one. <laughs> Just writes a check. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, some circuses are down on their luck. Maybe nobody was coming to the animal exhibit and they were like, screw it. Take his $50. $50. <laughs> <laughs> However... 
something goes terribly and inexplicably wrong when Walter gives the gorilla his mental power and the gorilla is somehow able to mentally command Walter to go out and do crimes. Yeah, he's he's like a telepath. Yeah. Was and this gorilla just evil and greedy before? Well, or was it with Walter's, like... <laughs> Brain power, he's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do with all this, like, newfound brain power. Steal. Doesn't he... I want to steal. He... Ex- <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Listen, he's a talking horse. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I want to steal. Fred the horse. Um, over the garden over wall. Over the garden wall. Mm-hmm. Beautiful masterpiece. It's like 70 minutes. Just pause this. Go watch it now. <laughs> Thank me later. Uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I think he does explain it later on in the comic that he wants to get back at humans. He does, yeah. yeah. But the and they explain it so it's like the electric in his machine reversed. Yeah, like, reversed polarity and it, it made everything not good. Again, this is just a, more more silver age sciencey mumbo jumbo for them to justify having a talking gorilla that can control it, a small man. Exactly. <laughs> So back in the present, Walter says he can only get away when the gorilla is asleep. But there is no reprieve as Walter says the gorilla has awoken and he (laughs) rips off the bars of his cell. Uh And Walter makes his swift escape, still holding on to his cell door and using it as a battering ram to run straight through the doors of the police station where Batman and Robin have just arrived. I like there's the, the panel where he breaks out of the cell. There's police officers and they go, I didn't believe his story. Until now! And it's two police officers, and they're finishing each other's sentences, which I thought was pretty cute. Yeah, aw, true love. See, there's been gay before. In the DC universe. (laughs) So the dynamic duo try to engage, but quickly find themselves physically outmatched as Walter makes his escape. But Batman is in hot pursuit, bouncing off of his own Batmobile to catch up. Batman, no! The paint job! (laughs) I was so upset by that. The two spar, but Batman has his own cat-like reflexes, keeping one step ahead of Walter. Finally, Batman catches him by the ankles and hurls him like a hammer thrower. I cannot believe this. So Robin awakes. He like wakes up from his his daze that he was put in and he sees Batman just swinging this guy around and then yeeting him into a brick wall. Yeah, no, that's my favorite part is that Batman says... uh, even after I knock him out, how can any jail hold him after he comes to? Comes to. That's the answer. And in the next panel, Walter is smashed headfirst into a brick wall. <laughs> He's definitely dead, if not paralyzed. And it's just like, oh, yes, that's the answer. I'll murder him. Yeah, I'll just throw him headfirst into a brick wall. Yeah, but they just put him under anesthesia. So boring. Meanwhile, Carmack the gorilla Decides he's going to have to take things into his own hands. <laughs> Paws? Hands? Hands? I think Mitts. Mitts? <laughs> what do they call them? I mean, no, we're, I think... we're an animal facts podcast, so I should know this. But... I'm pretty sure you call them hands. Yeah. Gorilla hands? Gorilla hands? Yeah. They don't, I don't know. They don't feel like hands. What do you mean they don't feel like hands? Like they're all leathery. Mm. You ever touch a gorilla's hand? Have I? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I have, but I feel like that's probably it. When would you have gotten there. close enough to, to touch a gorilla? Oh, it's horrifying. I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, I can I can imagine what it would be like. Based on the look of it. Yeah. I feel like it would feel leathery like this chair, like a soft leather. Mm. Mm. I want to touch a gorilla's hand now. Anyway. <laughs> 
So the genius gorilla decides that he's going to lure Batman into a trap and absorb his skills to avoid capture. Mm. Later, Carmack wanders the streets, attracting the attention he was looking for. He robs a jewelry store as he waits for Batman to arrive. And I do love this man who's like, oh, a gorilla, let me call the cops. <laughs> I mean, does Gotham not have animal control? Because that would be the first call. I don't know. Um, Batman arrives, and he also mentions he's on his own because Robin is at a pep rally. Yeah, I really like that uh, Bruce is willing to allow Dick to do normal teenager things. Yeah. He gives him some space to grow like, up. It's just a gorilla. Go to your pep rally. It's fine. <laughs> Batman chases Carmack through the jewelry store as he leaps from one chandelier to another until he finally sends one crashing down at the hero who dives away at the last second. The two tussle, but Batman eventually stumbles directly into Carmack's trap. For just a moment, the two are bathed in the light of the Bionaformer, and Carmack gains all of Batman's powers, wisdom, fighting prowess, and clinical depression. <laughs> the next day, Batman... Whoa, 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 wait. The, the, the radiation is enough to knock Batman out. It is, yes. Which means that he probably got radiation poisoning. Probably. Which is not good, everybody. No, stay away from uh, radiation poisoning. It's bad. <laughs> the next day, Batman visits Walter just as he's waking up out of the induced coma. Apparently, the animal powers fade after a few days, which is how Walter knows Carmack will try to lure Batman into another fight soon. Batman then decides to set a trap of his own. Throughout Gotham, Carmack monkeys around, <laughs> punishing mankind for taking him out of the jungle and forcing him to perform tricks. Yeah, we get this panel of these two officers, these two police officers, I'm going to say sleeping on the ground mm -hmm. after having tussled with the gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> They're not dead. They're sleeping. In the Batcave, Batman and a newly pepped up Robin run through their plan. <laughs> Batman soaks his gloves in liquid anesthesia. Carmack is going to take a nap he'll never forget. Mm. I keep wanting, when I was typing this, I kept saying Carmack's in my head. Like the... Like the, the auto... Yeah. <laughs> website or yeah. whatever. Carmack's. Carmack. So the two hear from Jim Gordon that Carmack has been sighted near Gotham Park. And they arrive to see he's strapped a bomb to his chest. Yep. It looks super weird, though. It's not even, like, loose dynamite. And it's not what you would think of of, like, a bomb strapped to, like... I mean, unfortunately, in our day and age, we know exactly what it looks like when a bomb is strapped to somebody's chest. Yeah. But this was just, it looks like loose rockets that are aimed at his face. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense because Carmack talks about it and he says that, like, it'll blow the entirety of Gotham City up except for him. Yeah. Like, how does he avoid the blast? Exactly. Yeah. He says the bomb's already activated and only he can stop it. But he says that it won't destroy him. It'll just destroy the rest of Gotham City. Uh -huh. I have no idea. It's, it's, that's not how also, bombs work. Also, I found it interesting that when he's explaining the bomb, it's the first time in the comic where Carmack speaks out loud instead of through like a thought bubble. Yeah. And I thought that gorillas didn't have the correct vocal cords to talk. Uh, so I looked it up, and apparently it's an open debate among scientists as to whether or not monkeys and apes could mimic, mimic human speech. They call it the Planet of the Apes debate. Yeah, well, pretty much. is like, originally, when Planet of the Apes came out, people were like, well, can, can, could apes actually speak like humans? And a lot of scientists were like, no, they don't have the right vocal cords. But then there was, like, a study in 2015 where somebody, and, and this was, like, how or monkeys or something so it wasn't gorillas but they were like oh they they do have the 
correct vocal cords that they could mimic human speech if they wanted to or if yeah. they if they had the brain capacity to mm. uh but uh, like i said apparently it's an open debate among scientists the, the the science isn't settled as to whether or not gorillas could talk if they had the mental capacity for our purposes let's just say that Carmack is just frantically sign languaging all of this <laughs> he's signing it which gorillas can do. They can, yes. They yes. can learn language. We know that they can learn language and they can sign. Yes. Which is very cool. It is really neat. I like that. But they don't sign like full sentences. They no. sign like vague sort of like emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywho. So after a quick hand-to-hand, Batman returns to his trusty hammer throw and tosses Carmack against a tree before putting him to sleep with some gentle punches to the nose with anesthesia gloves. <laughs> And with Carmack asleep, Batman realized the clicking of the bomb stopped when he had Carmack off the ground briefly. Batman then lifts the 700-pound gorilla over his head to save the city. Robin pitifully tries to help for one panel before giving up and going back to cheering. Pep rally indeed. (laughs) (laughs) And after another 30 seconds, Carmack falls from Batman's arms. The clicking has stopped and the city is saved. Carmack is put under anesthesia again until all of the evil drains out of him, and then he'll be allowed to go back to the wilds. <laughs> and Batman ends the comic by telling Walter that he should be proud of his abilities, even if they aren't physical and people don't respect him. Batman decides to give him a job as a science instructor at the Alfred Foundation so he can finally be appreciated. Yeah, with the Alfred Foundation, we get to see that return. This is set in like the two years between Alfred's death and return. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Well, moral of the story? Don't take gorillas out of captivity. No, the opposite. Don't put gorillas in captivity. (laughs) Don't take them out of the jungle. Yes. They'll rob banks if they could. (laughs) They just need to be a little smarter and they'll they'll give us what for. Yeah. Listen, The Planet of the Apes is a documentary. It's not. It's not. But it's, but okay. It's a cautionary tale. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, Let's see. Mine is... Don't throw people up against brick walls by their head. It's a bad idea. And don't bathe yourselves in radiation either. Yeah, no. There's a lot of bad ideas going on in this comic. Before we move on to Rogue Roundup, I did want to cover the PSA that is in the beginning of the comic. Uh, I can't believe the, I skipped past it. It's, it's the what's wrong with this picture PSA. And it shows kids refusing to give up a seat on a bus to old people, kids trampling gardens, kids littering in the street, and shoving each other down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And darting out into traffic. <laughs> and darting out into traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just old people. Old people loaded down with packages. Yeah, that's true. Because it's, you know, it's not their fault they decided to go shopping. <laughs> Well, that's that's what, when I first looked at this, I could tell what was wrong with every other panel, but the bus one, I had a good, long, hard stare at it, and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with this picture. <laughs> and I said, maybe it's because of my time in Philly, where it's like, you don't give up your bus seat. Yeah. Even, even if there was people who needed, although I feel like maybe I gave up my bus seat once or twice. I've seen others give up bus seats to like, you know, older, not really older people, but like pregnant women. Yeah. Or like nurses. Yeah. I think I've seen. I specifically don't want to give up seats to people with bags because then they'll put their bags on the seat and they'll use up a seat that could be sitting someone's butt for like you know, your grocery shopping or whatever. Yeah. Man, I haven't been on public transportation in years. But <laughs> do they like, is it now like things are like blocked off? You can't sit two people next to each other. I guess it works different for every public transportation. Yeah, yeah. They got to de- determine it by state and by, um, I don't know, service. You yeah. Know? Weird. 
Anyway, get a car. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get a car. Get a bike. Get a bike. Well, what if you're loaded down with packages? Uh, get one of those bikes that you can put the thing on the back that has. Uh... Have the guy deliver it. That's true. Order off Amazon. Don't yeah. go to the don't go to Henry's department store. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that was I just wanted to cover the little PSA at the beginning. And I also wanted to cover the letters to the editor because there's some interesting ones. One eagle eye reader noticed that in a previous comic, Batman had thrown a coin at a booby trap and then the booby trap exploded and commented that in that instant, Batman had broken the law because destroying currency is a crime. Mm. <laughs> and uh, Julia Schwartz wrote, responded with, uh, the coin wasn't marred by the explosion. And uh, I was like, is that true? So I went back and I looked up the issue in question and he's right. The coin did not get destroyed by the explosion in the panel. Is this reader implying that Batman never breaks the law? I think so. Um, okay, because like vigilantism is a crime, so. Well, he's a deputized police officer. Oh, that's true. He does break and enter all the time that's true he does break and enter all the time yeah. we read that one comic where he just like goes into a guy's house, house and while he's sleeping and he's like wake up it's me batman <laughs> i have to tell you something it's, it's time for this man it's time for inventory <laughs> i will do it in the morning batman get out of my house <laughs> and then there's another letter that asks how to identify a particular artist uh, because the books don't list credits and the editor doesn't answer the question. They just are like, readers, can you help out this damsel in distress? Mm -hmm. I also wanted to point out that Annette here, the one who wrote this letter, is the only one whose full address is not listed. What were what was DC Comics thinking? Printing probably children's full names and addresses in their books to, for people to just like send the mail or show up at their house. I don't know. I guess things weren't as scary back then. In the 60s? It's like, well, as long as they're not communists, what could they possibly do to in, a child? In the mid-60s? Well, that's true. There's also uh, these comic books try to recruit kids for, uh, like, selling greeting cards and stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's hop, hop into Rogue Roundup, though. So, uh, Carmack, or Professor Gorilla, as uh, he is sometimes referred to. Gorillas were huge at DC Comics and in popular media as a whole in the 1950s and 60s. Julius Schwartz edited Strange Adventures number 8 in 1951, and that's one of the earliest intelligent gorilla stories. Schwartz found that having gorillas on the covers boosted sales, so there were dozens of co covers featuring apes during his tenure as editor. Flash-filling Gorilla Grodd was introduced during this craze in 1959. And also, there was Bat-Ape, which maybe we'll cover. Ooh, that's fitting. <laughs> he was uh, 1958. I'm going to be honest, I put this comic on our list of to-read comics because I was just going through the Batman wiki and looking for entries on Batman's villains and cross-referencing them towards like um, a first appearance and Silver Age appearance guide. And the story of how Carmack ended up on that list and didn't fade into obscurity, like the dozens of other one-shot villains that happened in the Silver Age, is super interesting. So it starts, like many Batman-related things, with the 1966 Batman television series. Ooh. 
1966, the show was set to air in Japan, and the editors at the Shonen King manga publisher saw an opportunity to cash in on Batmania, which was actually global. This is, a lot of people might think that Batman 1966 was like a U.S. phenomenon, but it happened all over the globe, in Europe, in Japan. Um, they worked out licensing rights to create their own Batman stories, and the manga series ran from 1966 to 1967. The manga adapted stories that were around at the time. The writer, uh, Jiro Kuwata, was given Batman comics as a reference and then picked out of those stories what he wanted to adapt. So, based on stories in the Batman manga, he was given comics from 1960 to 1965. There was an interview with him in one of the compilations that I'm going to talk about, where he said he was given, like, the original Bob Kane, but I couldn't find any Bob Kane, like, Golden Age stuff in the things that he actually created manga of. I think maybe he's just a little confused. Mm -hmm. Anyway... I think that this is like a cool way for it to happen because it echoes how we get those one-off villains in the Batman television series like False Face and Mr. Freeze because they were in comics that released around the time that the television series was getting made. Right. Um, and Jiro comments about how silly the Silver Age comics were and how he needed to make them more serious for a Japanese audience, which is absolutely wild to me because Japan is known for its weird and wacky, like, television and stuff. Yeah. He, I love that he saw these stories and he was like, this is too silly. The Japanese readers won't like this. Mm. Well, I have to make it more serious. Uh, anyway, one of the adapted comics was the one we just read, so uh, Detective Comics 339, and it stays true to Carmack's origin. So he gets his mind swapped with the professor, and he starts planning crimes and committing them. The difference is that in the manga, Carmack wears a costume that protects him from Batman's gadgets, and he's enacting revenge against humans for their cruelty to him for his time in the circus. And there's the same panel, actually, in this comic of the two downed police officers, but it's spelled out specifically in the text boxes that they were beaten to death by Carmack. Oh my god! That's horrifying. <laughs> he also explodes a movie theater oh that's showing a movie with a hunter uh, in it and destroys other buildings and bridges. He, they say that he, like, kills and injures hundreds. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, so that's that. That um, I think it's like a three-issue arc in the manga that ha features this comic, Carmack. Anyway, that manga itself might have stayed a cultural footnote had it not been for novelist Chip Kidd discovering the manga amongst an extensive Batman collection by collector Saul Ferris. And Kid saw these and put together a proposal to DC to translate and publish these manga alongside pictures from Ferris's collection. He was actually there looking because they had done a book before that had showed off some items of Ferris's collection. They wouldn't do another book. And they saw this manga as like a good segue into that. So the head at DC at the time didn't even know that the manga had been published, even though he was like the most knowledgeable about DC's publishings. And he immediately greenlit the project and the book Bat Manga, The Secret History of Batman in Japan, was published in 2008. Wow. Oh. Then, 
A little over two years later, in 2011, Grant Morrison incorporated a number of references to the Silver Age and the bot manga specifically in his run writing Batman Incorporated, which is a reimagining of another idea of a Silver Age comic that we might cover someday called The Batman of All Nations. And Carmack, or at least a reference to him, shows up at the end of Batman Incorporated issue number two in the final splash page that shows the new Batman of Japan sparring with a gorilla (laughs) midair. That's wonderful. Uh, Carmack has a blink and you'll miss it cameo in dressed in his full costume from the manga in the Brave and the Bold episode that itself adapts slash parodies the manga. We might cover this episode a little bit more in depth when we go over or if we go over the character who this episode centers around, which is another Silver Age character got adapted into the manga and then got adapted back into like American media. Who is it? Uh, his name is Deathman. Looks like it's Lord Deathman. Well, okay, so this is another one of those. So he's Professor Girl in the manga, and he was originally just Carmack. In the manga, he's Lord Deathman. In the original comic, he was just called Deathman. Okay. <laughs> Love that. Anyway, so... Besides that, Blank and Yomas a cameo and the Bat Manga and him in the Batman Incorporated, he only showed up like one more time. And that that was in a 2019 Wonder Woman comic, uh, Wonder Woman Annual Number 3, where he's an agent of the U.S. government who is being used as an informant in Gorilla City, which is the villain Gorilla Grodd, who I talked about earlier, the Flash villain. That's his like kingdom that he rules over a bunch of gorillas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's unclear how this version of Carmack got his intelligence because it doesn't seem like they talk about it fading in the comic like they do in all the other ones same way gorilla got grod got his intelligence he went to college <laughs> uh so yeah that's that's the history of carmack love it. it in the manga the way they defeat him is uh batman basically waits it out and waits for his intelligence to like fade away and then gets him in the the like scientists lab and then as the intelligence is fading away he can't operate the machines and then uh because he's just a regular monkey he takes off his costume and robin is able to like shoot him with a with a dart oh shoot to to make him go to sleep animal cruelty no they 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 do the same thing that they do in the original comic where they send him back into the jungle that's good to live a a normal gorilla life that's good to be eaten by a cheetah maybe (laughs) maybe nature's cruel it is It definitely is. Okay, well, uh, I think that is it for this episode of Batmates. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Batmates, and you can email us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com. You can rate us on your favorite podcasting app, uh, Apple Podcasts or otherwise. Give us five stars. Leave a review. We'll read your review on air. And, yeah, have a good week. So good to be getting back into a nice little normal schedule. Yeah. So hopefully we'll uh, be able to be releasing a little bit more predictably <laughs> in, in the... We've been releasing pretty much every week. I think we might have skipped a week or two. Maybe so. But we'll, we'll be fine. And thank you all for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>